Matthew 12. It's going to take me a little bit to get there um, to set this up, but uh, we're, we're talking for the next few weeks about this idea of restore, restore. And as a church family, we want to kind of lean into this idea of being restored by God in the year 2017. So I need to set that up a little bit before we, before we get into to Matthew chapter 12. Uh, how many of you all have people in your family? Uh, we've just come through Thanksgiving, the craziness of Christmas, New Year's. How many of you all have people in your family that make like a signature candy? Like when you go to their house, you know you're going to get something, right? So for me, uh, I've got, I've, wait, Mama makes fudge. Uh, Sherry makes these things called Majeskas. Uh, my mom makes these little like graham cracker things with caramel and nuts. Uh, those are awesome. Uh, my grandma makes Chex Mix. Like somebody, ha- everybody has something, and um, maybe this is just me. And if it is, like, I'm just confessing that I'm a glutton right now. Okay, I'm just going to confess that in front of everybody. But uh, here's what happens to me: There's this table at all of the parties, and it has all of these wonderful things on it. And we eat this huge meal, and then like you, you then I crave something sweet, right? So I go and I start eating sweets. And like three hours later, I haven't stopped eating like something. And it's like, uh, you, you, like you've eaten all day long and you're still finding yourself thinking, man, I'm just really hungry for something salty now. You know, and then you eat something salty and then you're like, I could really use another piece of that fudge to balance it. You know, it's like sweet, salty, sweet, salty, back and forth. And, and you find yourself, I, at least this is where I was last night, and I think there was a couple other people um, they were with me, not calling anybody out, but there were people that were with me and they were like, we're eating and we don't know why, right? And, and you feel really full, like your, your stomach hurts. Uh, you've, let's just, let's, moment of transparency. Like there's bubble guts, there's stuff going on here that you don't know, but you're still going to the snack table. And you're like, I'm, I'm full, but, but yet I'm still hungry for something. And this past week, I, uh, I, took, I took some vacation time. I took this week off, supposedly, whatever that looks like. And um, as God often does, he began to teach me through that and through this idea of, of knowing that I'm full and yet I'm still hungry. And, and spiritually, I think as we turn over this year, I, I think there's oftentimes, there's a sense of that for me, and I think a lot of times there can be a sense of that for, for, for many of us. I, I realize that my life is really full. It's full of good things. Like, I enjoy the things in my life. I enjoy leading at Christ Community. I enjoy uh, my time with family. I enjoy the blessings that we have. And yet, my, my soul, my soul was really hungry. I found myself, like, when I actually had time off and time away from the madness, realizing that there were things in my life that were falling through the cracks. There were things in my life that weren't good. There were things in my life that I wasn't proud of. And I hadn't had any time because of the busyness and fullness of my life to even realize that, that those things were there. And so I found myself kind of like going back to the snack table, even though I was, I was full. I find myself doing that in life sometimes, too, that, that my life is really full. The, the, the calendars, all this, it's really full. And yet there's this deep hunger for something different, deep hunger for something more. And so I'm, I, I approach this week of vacation, and I'm thinking, man, this is going to be a, a good week off, right? It's going to be a week off to recharge, to get ready for the new year. Uh, this is going to be just what the doctor ordered, right? I'm going to be ready to go after this week. And, and I lived in like this torment 
uh, of just thinking about all the things that I wanted to do and trying to actually rest. Maybe I'm the only one. And, and I, there's no question that your situation is different than mine. Your story is different than mine. The things in your life, the reason that you're here this morning, uh, there's differences. But my hunch is that many of us have felt those moments of, of fatigue, those moments of weariness, those moments of, of being full in life, but still hungering for something more, something different. The prophet Isaiah, um, he, he wrote about this idea of being spiritually hungry in Isaiah chapter 8, verses 21 and 22. He said, uh, they will go from one place to another, weary and hungry. And because they are hungry, they will rage and, and they will curse their king and their God. They will look up to heaven and down at the earth, but wherever they look, there will be trouble and anguish and dark despair. They will be thrown out into the darkness. And so you get this picture. It's a very vivid picture of what it looks like to, to kind of be lost spiritually, even, even though you feel like there's a lot of good things going on in your life. And so I started thinking about what kind of things do we do uh, to, to recharge? What kind of things do we do to, to try and fill this emptiness that, that we read about and that, we, uh, that is described here in Isaiah? Some of us, we, we recharge by taking that time off. We're, we recharge by getting away for a weekend. We recharge by a night out with friends that may, you know, we, we kind of relax on the rules and it's just enough to be carefree and to escape the world. Uh, sometimes we recharge by pursuing our own picture of happiness. We just stop and we ask ourselves, what would make me happy? And then we go and we indulge in that. Some of us recharge by placing our hope in a new year instead of placing our hope in our new lives in Christ, right? Some of us recharge by just trying to escape reality for just a little bit. I'm not saying any of those things are inherently bad. But over the course of time, these, these things that we do to recharge, they just numb the pain. They just recharge us, and then the battery drains again. They don't fix it. And so we find ourselves maybe in that same kind of predicament with full lives and empty souls. Full lives and, and empty souls. And too often we feel like our, our busyness, our work, our efforts, we, we feel like those are going to cause Jesus to pay attention to us. And what he wants for us in those moments isn't for us to do more work, but, but what he wants us to do in those moments, moments that, that Scripture is going to call the Sabbath that we'll talk about here in a minute, is to simply rest in him. To quit trying to work up a bunch of energy and draw attention, uh, draw God's attention to what we're doing, but to simply go and rest in the streams of God's mercy and his grace. And so as we read through Matthew chapter 12, we're going to keep setting it up. But the, but the big idea for today that I want you to, to take with you is that God doesn't recharge you. God restores you. God doesn't recharge you. God restores you. So this idea, how do we get to this idea for, as a church for, for the whole year of, of restore? Christ Community Church is starting their seventh year of public ministry. Their seventh year, it seems crazy, especially if you, if you were here at the beginning, it seems crazy that it was seven years ago that 101010 happened and we started meeting together and, and we, we found a place to meet at Southside and then we ended up over here and then we planted a church. Like, what happened? Where, where, did, where did that happen? At the Covenant member meeting about a month ago, we, we shared this slide of just celebration, things that have happened in the first six years of Christ's community. I want to share that again with us today. Since 101010, uh, more than $1.3 million have, have been given to 
to the mission of Christ Community Church. That's incredible, right? We started with a group of 20 people, and here, here we are six years later. Of that 1.3 million, over $375,000 have, have been given to missions outside of the church. That is incredible. That's incredible. Baptisms, there's been 74 people give their life to Christ. Now 75 last week with, with DJ. And there's been a church plant in the first six years. Guys, that, that is a, an awesome story of what God is doing. And we see, we see a lot of activity. We, we get to celebrate that. And so our pastor elders, we were thinking about these first six years, and, and we're thinking about where are we as a church? What does that look like in, in year seven? What does that look like seven years from now? And, and God began to, to work on my heart from a passage in Leviticus. Leviticus 25, verse 3 or 4. It says, for six years you may plant your fields and prune your vineyards and harvest your crops. But during the seventh year, the land must have a Sabbath year of complete rest. It's the Lord's Sabbath. Don't plant your fields or prune your vineyards during that year. So I thought, what, what would a year of Sabbath look like in 2017? And what would it look like for Christ Community Church? And I brought this idea to our pastor elders, and we began praying about what that might look like. What would it look like in our culture of busyness and success and achievement to take a year focused on resting in God instead of resting on our own efforts? What does that look like? How do we breathe life into that picture? And so we want to start to answer that today with some practical next steps. Uh, and, and we're going to give some of those practical next steps, but we're also going to go back into Scripture and, and learn a little bit more about this idea of Sabbath because the truth is we're not very good at it. We have full lives and empty souls. So let me give you the three things that you're going to hear a lot about in, in the year 2017 and applying this, and then we're going to dig into Matthew 12 together. Three things that you're going to hear about us applying a lot. Uh, love Shelbyville. We believe in being restored to who God called us to be, that we need to press into the things that he has uniquely created us for. And so every fourth Sunday, we're moving it to once a month. Every fourth Sunday, we're going to go out, we're going to serve our community, we're going to love Shelbyville every fourth Sunday. Uh, you'll notice, and we're going to talk a little bit more about these in just a minute, but we're going to, as a church, read through the New Testament together this year. We're going to read through the New Testament together. And then finally, uh, we're going to challenge every, every person who's in our covenant family to pray for one person to know Christ for the entire year. We're going to pray for that one person for the entire year. So we'll, we'll tease these ideas out in the coming weeks, but, but those are, that's the big picture. And now, finally, we get all the way back to Matthew 12. All right, but you needed that setup to get to Matthew 12. Matthew 12, 1 through 14. Let's read this together. And then uh, I just want to say a quick prayer and ask God to, to speak as we dig into Scripture today. At about that time, Jesus was walking through some grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, so they began breaking off some heads of grain and eating them. But some Pharisees saw them do it and protested. Look. Your disciples are breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath. And Jesus said to them, Haven't you read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God, and he and his companions broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. And haven't you read in the law of Moses that the priests on duty in the temple may work on the Sabbath? I tell you, there is one here who is even greater than the temple. But you would not have condemned my innocent disciples if you knew the meaning of the scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. 
for the Son of Man is Lord, even over the Sabbath. Well, then Jesus went over to their synagogue where he noticed a man with a deformed hand. The Pharisees asked Jesus, does the law permit a person to work by healing on the Sabbath? They were hoping he would say yes so that they could bring charges against him. And Jesus answered, if you had a sheep that fell into a well on the Sabbath, wouldn't you work to pull it out? Of course you would. And how much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Yes, the law permits a person to do good on the Sabbath. And then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand, and it was restored, just like the other one. And then the Pharisees called a meeting to plot how to kill Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we pray that you would speak to us from your word about a man, a man named Jesus. We pray that that the gospel story, the the sacrifice, the the lordship, the authority that he has on this earth would be made known to, to every person here today. God, we pray that in response to that, we would, we would give you uh, our lives, that we would uh, just revel in your mercy and your grace and rest in you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we want to we take this passage for just a minute, and we're going to observe some things about it. We're going to interpret what it means, and then we're going to apply it to our everyday lives here in Shelbyville. And, and that simple formula is something that may help you as you read through the New Testament this year. Just observe, interpret and apply. And so the first thing that we might observe here is that Jesus' disciples were hungry. It's kind of unique that, that we notice that. They're physically hungry in this moment, but, but we might also parallel to the spiritual hunger that you and I are talking about today and experiencing. Jesus' disciples were, were hungry, and so they picked grain on the Sabbath, right? They're walking to this field, and they're picking off the, the heads of this wheat or this grain. Why was that a big deal? Well, what is the Sabbath might be the better question. The Sabbath is like this church word. It's a little intimidating. We don't use that word much. It's, the Sabbath is more than just the, the day that we go to church. The Sabbath is about resting from work so that we can be restored by God. It's about resting from work so that we can be restored by God. It's not just a ten, one of the Ten Commandments. It's not just an Old Testament law. It's, it's a major theme throughout all of Scripture. Let's, let's tease this out a little bit. It begins in Genesis, right? Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. says, On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. So God himself even rested, right? Before there was sin in the world, before any of this stuff, God rested. He chose to rest from his work. And that goes on. We, we continue to see them institute that. Uh, he institutes it in the Ten Commandments. And, and then even the Israelites, when they're out in the desert, they've, he's rescued them from Egypt. He's giving them manna to feed them. And he even applies the principle of the Sabbath to that. Uh, we read this in Exodus 16. It says, On the sixth day, the Israelites gathered twice as much as usual, four quarts for each person instead of two. Then all the leaders of the community came and asked Moses for an explanation. And he told them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow will be a day of complete rest, a holy Sabbath day set apart for the Lord. So bake or boil as much as you want today and set aside what is left for tomorrow. This pattern goes on. We're going to keep teasing this out. But but the Sabbath was a pattern of resting after work so that God could restore the soul. A pattern of resting after work so that God could restore the soul. And we can also observe this from the, the text that we're reading today. And, and in this text, the Pharisees had this bone to pick with Jesus, right? We see this. 
They, they're trying to, to point out that, that Jesus isn't following the law. They're suggesting that this was work, and, and, and they, they were legalists, right? These people were legalists. They were more concerned about the nitpicky details of the law than they were about following the spirit of the law. And the spirit of the law of the Sabbath is that we would find our rest in God. And so Jesus goes on to explain this to them. And the parallel passage, the, the story that goes with this in Mark, explains this really well. I love what Jesus says at the end in the, in the Mark passage, chapter 2. It says, Then Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people, and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. Man, I love that. I love, and here, here's why, right? The Sabbath, this idea of resting after work, it's not a command that's like held over our heads and, and God's trying to test us and see if we're going to do it or not. The Sabbath was given to us to make us better, right? It was given to us to make us complete and whole in Him. It was given to us for our advantage. In today's culture of busyness and success and achievement, we look at a day of rest and we see it as weakness. But in all actuality, God gave us this command of a Sabbath to make us whole, to make us complete, to make us right in Him. I love this. So Jesus has this encounter, right, out in the grain fields. And after this little encounter, Jesus goes to the synagogue. So it's like he's completely ignoring the traditions, right? He goes to church. And he went there because believers were gathering there. Believers were gathering to meet with him, to read scripture together, to pray, to connect. But the Pharisees, the legalists, they saw this as a chance to test him. So this man with a deformed hand is there, and they want to know if, if Jesus will heal him. They're thinking in their minds, will Jesus work on the Sabbath? Will he break the law? And Jesus is thinking in his mind, here's a guy with a deformed hand that needs to be restored. You see the tension, right? And now we know that the Sabbath is about resting from work to be restored by God. And so that tension gets even greater. Is Jesus working by healing this man? Or, or, is, or is he simply doing the good work of the Father in restoring us to who God has created us to be? So Jesus gives them an illustration of rescuing a sheep, a good thing. And he shows them how doing good is not in conflict with being restored on the Sabbath. Jesus, who is God in the flesh, he didn't come to earth to recharge this guy who had a deformed hand. He didn't come to say, good work, buddy. Keep it up. It's going to be okay. Hang in there. One day it will all be okay. Jesus didn't come to earth to recharge him. He came to earth to restore this man, to make him new, to return him to, to the thing, the person that God had created him to be. And the same is true for you. God doesn't recharge you. God restores you. And so Jesus tells this man to reach out his hand. And Jesus restores his hand. And when he does, fear rises in the hearts of the religious leaders. They, be, they begin to go and they begin to plot how they're going to kill Jesus. You see what their fear drives them to? Their fear drives them back to work. On the Sabbath, on a day of rest, the very law that they're trying to protect, they're giving into because of their fear. So what's the point of this story? What did this story mean in that moment when, when Jesus healed the man? And how should we interpret this? This event occurred in the life of Jesus because it taught people a couple of things. 
It taught people who Jesus was, and it taught people why Jesus came. See, Jesus was the presence of God. He was the temple, right? He he says to them, uh, something greater than the temple of God is here, and it's me. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. And he came. He came to save. And he taught them in this moment that resting on the Sabbath should not keep anyone from obeying Christ. In other words, keeping the letter of the law should never stop someone, should never stop us from loving God and from loving people. And if it does, we're misusing it. The religious leaders were afraid because they realized that they weren't in charge anymore. They realized that God was God and they were not. And they moved into attack mode because they realized that they weren't lords of the law. They weren't lords of the Sabbath. They weren't lords of anything. Jesus was the Lord of all. And it scared them. So how should we apply this truth to our lives? We, we've seen what's happened. We're, we've realized what it means. But, but how do we apply this to our lives? Well, here's what we can do in response to this story. We can be more like the man with a deformed hand than we can be like the Pharisees. Because I want you to put yourself in the shoes of both of those people in this story for just a moment. Are you more like the Pharisees than when you aren't sure what God is up to or when, you aren't, when you're feeling empty, when you're feeling afraid, you run back to your work, you run back to, to busyness? Or are you like this man with a deformed hand who, who clearly had something wrong, who clearly had something to be afraid of, who, who was afraid maybe even to show this deformed hand in public, and yet when Christ called on him, he reached out in weakness with this deformed hand. Which one are you? You see, to apply this truth of the Sabbath, you have to reach out to Christ if you want to be restored by Christ. You have to reach out to Christ if you want to be restored by Christ. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 10 and 11, helps us to apply this idea of the Sabbath in, in, in light of Jesus, in light of the New Testament. It says this, For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fail. Notice at the beginning of verse 10, it says, For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors. There's two two actions there. Entering into into God's rest and resting from our labors. And so if we're going to apply this idea of being restored by God, we have to do both. We have to do both. You can't enter into God's rest without resting from your labors. And and you can't rest from your labors and feel rejuvenated or, or recharged or whatever you want to call it without entering into God's rest. So how do we do those things? What do those two things mean in our context? I believe that the best way to enter into God's rest is through reading Scripture. It's through reading Scripture. It is the Word of God. It is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. And so that's why you find on your tables today, right, this, this simple Bible reading plan for 2017. Here's what it is on a larger level, right? Five chapters a week, one chapter per weekday. And we're going to read through the New Testament together. This is a makeable goal for everybody. I'm just going gonna, gonna to put that challenge out there. If you're a kid, if you're an adult, if you're a reader, if you're not a reader, this is a makeable goal for everyone. 
And, and I'll even go as far to say you will never feel restored. You will always be chasing that hunger for God until you learn how to feed yourself from God's word. You'll never feel restored until you learn how to feed yourself from God's word. So before you leave today, grab a partner from your table. Talk amongst your family as to how you're going to execute on this. Maybe you, maybe you set up a Facebook group of people that are going to work through these chapters together, or you have a group text in mind with a few people that you can ask questions when you don't understand a text. Uh, but, but as you go through these chapters, observe what's happening, interpret what it means, and apply those things to your life. And watch as God restores you. Watch as you find your life being more rested than it ever has been before by simply entering into the words of God and allowing those words to speak truth into your life. Number one objection always comes on this is, what if I don't have time? I'll say this, and then we're going to talk about resting from our work. Time is never an excuse. Time is always a choice. Time is never an excuse. Time is always a choice. So make the choice to enter into God's rest. If we're going to enter into God's rest, we have to rest from our work. This is the hard part, right? Church, we have to learn to make Sunday a Sabbath. We have to make a commitment now at the beginning of the year to, to not let Sunday be just another day of the week. Even more so, we have to, to learn to not let Sunday just be another day of the weekend. What if you saw Sunday as a day to be restored instead of as a day to recharge? What if you saw Sunday as a day to be restored instead of a day to catch up? I bet it would change your year, and I bet it would change your life. Now, don't hear me becoming the Pharisee that's saying you can't miss church. Don't hear me saying that. Hear me saying that we have to check our hearts for what we think about gathering as the church. Jesus didn't let his disciples pick grain on the Sabbath. He didn't heal this man's hand because he didn't care if we gathered or not. He did it because he cared about that deeply, and he wanted people to be doing that as they were restored in him. Along with Pastor Elders, our staff team has been um, wrestling with this idea of what does it mean to be restored, to, to find our rest in him. And I asked a, a friend of mine from the KBC, Hope Warris, to speak into this theme and this idea as we began planning for 2017. He shared a ton of wisdom, a lot of which we hope to, to share next week. It's, it's fueling next week's sermon. But he said this that, that I'll start with today. He said, practicing the Sabbath allows me to be reminded that God is God and I am not. He is infinite and I am finite. So on my Sabbath day, he said, I try to not do anything that's going to advance my work on those days. I try to not do anything that's going to help me get ahead. He said, it reminds me that even the work I do is a result of God's provision and blessing in my life. It's good. It's a challenge. It's a vision for what it looks like to, to find rest in God. To work against producing things that advance our personal missions for a whole day each week. But instead on those days, being reminded of the mission of God, how much God loves us and wants us to be a part of it. So start small, right? Start small. Commit to Sunday mornings with, with the church family. But then work to extend that into the afternoon by connecting with your family. Shut down your, your work communications. Take time to actually reflect on your week from a spiritual perspective. Pray individually. Pray with your family. Begin doing things that, that put you in the presence of God. 
one day a week. Rest from your work. <clears throat> so as a, as a pastor elder team, as our, our church leaders, on behalf of them, I'm asking, will you join us in resting in God in 2017? Will you lean into this idea of being restored by God, both individually and as a church? Here's what's at stake. Here's what's at stake. For us as a church, we've talked a little bit today about how God created this church six years ago. And he created it to be a group of people that joined Jesus outside the gates. A group of people that were reaching people in this community and calling them into community one person at a time. He calls to be a church that plants churches and to be people that join God in furthering his kingdom. But what does that look like from here? What does that look like in 2017? And what does that look like seven years from now? And we believe that that if we'll take this year in in cooperation with the theme that we see in Scripture of, of restoration of Sabbath, we believe that as we rest in Him, He will restore that vision in us as a church in new and fresh and exciting ways. And the question is, will we be obedient to rest in Him? What's at stake for us individually? If we are not willing, like the man with the deformed hand, to reach out to God, if we're not willing to make a commitment to to pushing our deformities out there spiritually and asking God to restore us and to speak truth into our lives, then we should not expect anything to change. We shouldn't expect our relationship with God to get better. We shouldn't expect God to, to feel more real. God is pursuing us. There is no question. But he's also asking us in those moments to reach out with our deformities so that he might restore us. Today, I, don't, I said earlier, I don't know where you are on your journey. Maybe you're coming back to church because it's a new year and, and you want a fresh start. Praise God for that. Maybe you don't know Jesus at all. And for the first time, you're realizing that he wants to give you a new life. Don't leave until you figure out how to take that next step in that new life. Whether it's praying to him and saying, God, I have deformities and I know that you are the only one who can restore me. God, I give my life to you. Whether it's realizing that you've, you've never taken that next step of being baptized, of following him in that act of of, of self-denial, saying, I die to my old self and I want to I live the new life that you've given to me. Maybe you've been walking away from the Lord for a long time. You, you believe, but you haven't been walking with him. Would you reach out to Christ today and allow him to restore you? Would you do that? I believe that this year in the history of Christ Community Church will be its most pivotal yet. And the question that keeps coming to my mind is when we look back on this year, I think we're going to find an answer to this question. Will we be a group of people coming to church together? Or will we be a group of people that are becoming the church together? Because we can can continue to just come here and be a church family for a long time until we all die. Or we can become the church and we can see God begin to breathe new life into every area of our being and our moving and our existence. And that's what I hope we can answer 
as we rest in him in 2017. Let's become the church. Let's be restored by the Lord of the Sabbath, Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father God, just calling you in this moment as God of mercy and grace. Because when I feel like a hypocrite even up here preaching this sermon, thinking about resting in you. God, we know that when we, we get out of this moment with you, when we walk back into our lives, everything is going to be clamoring, calling for us to, to work, to put out you know, our best, and to, to be productive and and God, those are, those are good things, but may they never become things that are, are better or more important than finding our rest and our restoration, finding our being in you. Father, we're coming off a Christmas season where we celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ. And my prayer in this moment, God, is that for those in this place that don't know you, that don't have Jesus living in them through the Holy Spirit, God, I pray that you would come into their presence. I pray that you would place a weight, a burden of, of their conviction, a conviction of their sin, God, that allows them to, to see their need for you and gives them the courage to just reach out to be rescued by you. God, in this moment, as we respond to the gospel, I pray that you would speak clearly uh, through your spirit, through the, the words that we sing in the song, through, through scripture. God, I pray that you would give us a, a, just a great picture of what it looks like for us individually and as a church to rest in you in 2017. We submit to you, the Lord of the Sabbath. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.